So I feel like these last couple of weeks, I've been just going down the hilltop memory lane, talking to people from 99, talking to people from 2005, people I have never even had the opportunity or chance to even meet. You know, mm -hmm. I know you and I, Nick, we've done a couple of presentations and a couple uh, of napcasts, you know, around Ants Palo in yours book, um, A Can of Worms, Fearless Conversations with Toddlers, and Ann used to work here. Uh, I chatted with a couple of former supervisors, and now we are throwing it back, right? Isn't all the throwing it back? It's only been like four years, but someone- It's a throwback, yeah. <laughs> I think I've worked with you for about 13 seconds. Um, <laughs> when I first arrived at Hilltop a little over four years ago, um, and I found my first three gray hairs this morning, so uh last from the past uh <laughs> and i can't remember have we have you i uh and, and nick all been in the same room together yes yeah um definitely fleetingly uh, i know that we've definitely done a, a handful of sing-alongs and maybe faculty meetings together and uh probably distracted each other from getting work done in the <laughs> in the teacher's office but um yeah, yeah, that's that's what I recall. Yeah, yeah I couldn't um, I I couldn't remember any yeah any moments of mm -hmm. of that specifically. But it's good to you know have you on and and to reconnect with you. I know we've been sort of talking about it via text every now and then, but um, it's good to you know have have you this morning. Absolutely, it's great to be here, and I'm yeah, it's uh, it's an honor for sure. I'm I'm excited to reconnect with the two of you and uh, and to be a part of the Napcast. It's it's a really cool, exciting thing that you two are doing, coming up on a year. So yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah I didn't even realize yeah. that until <laughs> you pointed that out. Yeah. All right, y'all. So everyone knows that childcare is essential. We're some of the most influential people out there, yet we are often overworked and underpaid. So how can you work full time, have hobbies, show your friends and family love, self-care, and also fine tune your skills and grow more in depth? That's where we come in. These NAPCasts are designed to help you learn on the go, hear another perspective, spark debate, <laughs> heck, even agree with us. But honestly, remind you that you're not alone. We live in a complex world, so allow us to challenge your perspective. So are your headphones in? Did you turn the volume up? All right now, good. Let's get it. Well, welcome to NAPCAST, a podcast produced by Hilltop Children's Center Educator <clears throat> Institute in Seattle, Washington, on the traditional lands of the first people of Seattle, the Duwamish people. And this is this is wild. This is nuts. You know, this is this is definitely a blast from the past. And y'all already know who this is. My name is Mike Brown. <clears throat> pronouns he him. I'm your Afro Caribbean dreadlock master. Uh, <laughs> I'm with Nick. Nick. Hey, um, hey everybody, Nick here, Nick Taronis, pronouns he, him. And today, after a few years removed from Hilltop, and after months of trying to get it all set up, we have Hisham Michelani joining us. And Hisham and I go back a bit. We taught in separate classes, you know, across the hall, Rainbow Room, your hood, and my hood was the Raindrop Room, both toddler yep. teachers. I think I enjoyed, I had, you know, during that time, and even when Brad was there, if Brad hears this, shout out to Brad. Um, I, I always found it a, a, a tremendous sense of joy to come into work and to be able to work with two other men who were also in the same toddler boat. And so it was <clears> always <throat> such a joy to be with you and and just as it is here. Um, so how have you been? How's life? Yeah, um, I, I totally agree with everything you said there. It was... Uh, it just made my day to, to come in and see your face and get to share some perspective first thing in the morning. Um, yeah, I'm doing talk well. About heavy metal sometimes. Talk, talk about heavy metal. Um, you know, like the the deeper you know kind of nuances of of child behavior and psychology and heavy metal. Yeah, yeah. 
they, they go hand in hand, you know, they do. It's, it's not an either or it's a both and right. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. Things are, you know, things are good. Um, which I'm super grateful for given the current state of the world. Um, and yeah, again, I'm really happy to be reconnecting with you guys, uh, with the two of you. Um, so yeah. And, and like lots of love out to all my fellow Hiltopians who might be listening when this, uh, when this hits the, the web waves. Um, yeah, for those who don't know me, which is probably most listeners, I'm Hisham <laughs> Michelani. I was a Hilltop educator, toddler teacher, like Nick noted, from 2012 to 2017. Um, also pronouns he, him. Um, I, yeah, I worked in the Rainbow Room, which was two and a half to three and a half year olds, roughly. And then um, the Mountain Room, which was three and a half to like pre-K to five year olds. Um, so in late 2017, I, I traded in that work uh, with toddlers to pursue an education in brewing science and fermentation science at uh, Skagit Valley College. And moved my whole life up to Bellingham, Washington, which is uh, about 90-ish minutes north of Seattle, known as Diet Canada by some people. Um, I love that. Close, yeah, yeah, closest incorporated uh, city in Washington to the Canadian border. Um, and yeah, um, after that formal education, I was kind of on the grind doing an internship and um, right as that finished up, I got a job at Kulshan Brewing Company, where I've been for almost the past, wow, this is crazy. It'll be three years in July. Um, wow. And uh, yeah, where I do a little bit of everything um, from brewing beer on down into uh, taking care of it as it ferments, moving it from one vessel to another, making sure it's ready to package, and then every once in a while helping out with packaging it. So um, yeah, and we have two breweries and I work between both of them, uh, usually two days a week at each. And, um, yeah, again, I'm just really excited to be here on the Napcast and, uh, grateful that you both asked me to be here today. Uh, looking forward to, to getting into the juicy topics at hand. The real reason we asked you to be on this is because we want a free beer. So, yeah. Oh man. Well. Oh, can you yeah. get Colshin to sponsor us? Yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see what I can do. I don't, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of our one of our core core values is to be a uh, you know a a good and ethical community member. So there you go. <laughs> Support ECE. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, we can talk offline about that. <laughs> <laughs> Mike shuts it down. Right. Right. Yeah. He's like, no, Nick, don't. <laughs> oh, man, that, that Disney sponsor we were looking for just left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> FYI, totally kidding. You're, you're with a group of, of three people who are well-versed in sarcasm and uh, <laughs> free-associating humor. So, yes. yeah. <laughs> All right, let's kick things off with it's sort of an odd question because, okay. I mean, most of the time, uh, at least most of my time, I'm spent trying to convince people why they should be in childcare, you know, why they should pay attention to it, why we should pass legislation. Uh, yeah. But for you, I kind of want to know, why was it important for you to leave? I, I think for many of us, we're, mm -hmm. we're in this line of work. <clears throat> we love everything about it. But in the hustle and bustle of things, in the day-to-day <clears throat> -day of we kind of lose sight of what about this work is bringing us joy. And then we burn out. So when did you realize for you that it was time to go? Um, yeah, Mike, I don't think that's an odd question at all. I mean, I, I think it's a valuable thing to unpack. Um, and yeah. A good a good question to to go deeper into uh for me it wasn't so much my personal experience was not so much losing sight of what brought me joy but the things that brought me joy did not really feel like enough anymore or rather the things that brought me joy were uh i i didn't find were infused with my passion any longer if that makes any sense um 
I knew that my role was valuable. I knew I was doing good work and that's part of what kept me at Hilltop. I'd say probably the last two years is you go home and you're wiped out and you're tired and you've had a frustrating day, possibly week, possibly month. And, but at the, at the end of each one of those days that make up that week and that month, you know that you've done good work, you know, fundamentally, this is good work. Um, you know, and so that, that, that's hard to disentangle oneself from, um, and to really kind of step back and say, is this like feeding me and do I have, you know, food to give to it too? Or am I, am I really like running out, you know, in, in, in the long term? And so, uh, anyway, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed, being party to the children's explorations and wanderings. I would say that was a lot of where my passion lied. Um, totally dug my co-teachers, the, the school in and of itself. Uh, but I was just not finding that I was resonating with the work anymore personally. And that was a hard thing to accept. And I would say that I started feeling that way about a year or so before I left. And I, I definitely second guessed my decision to leave as I was working, you know, as I was uh, making that decision or working on making that decision. And even for a short while afterwards, like I came back to visit, I think in like December of 2017, and I was like, just going to grab lunch with Michelle Saunders and ended up staying like a full shift at Hilltop, just bouncing between classrooms and went home and cried. Cause I was like, what did I do? Why did I leave? This is, you know, like, did I just make a huge mistake? Um, and yeah, but even so, you know, I, that, that was definitely tempered with, uh, knowing that, um, man, uh, that it was, it was time to move on, you know, staying on felt like it was sort of me, um, kind of give, I'll, I'll just say for me, it was like, felt like giving into fear of the unknown and kind of a perceived obligation, like, I feel like I have to do this as opposed to, yeah, I feel a strong pull and passion to continue doing this. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was, it was a scary leap. I definitely uprooted my whole life to, to come up here, but, um, that was all part of, you know, embracing the unknown. Um, so I'd been passionate about brewing for quite a while, I think like six or seven years on the homebrew scale and, and had, few friends in the brewing industry. So it's kind of getting a, a windows eye peek into the industry and was really, and, and getting deeper into the process of, of brewing and fermenting. And that really kind of, I found was like kindling in me the same kind of passion that I had about teaching when I started teaching in 2007, I think at the cooperative children's center in the university district. Um, so I, yeah, I, I eventually, you know, I, I eventually followed that, obviously, and but was looking around for kind of like academic avenues to get into that. That felt, I think, in a lot of ways, like safer and like a buffer. And being from an education background felt like, okay, this, this could potentially, doing this uh, on the academic route could potentially ease me into it. But um, anyway, that's a pretty long answer. But uh, that is a bit of my backstory personally speaking as to, to why I found my way out. Um, and, and I just feel it's worth it to mention when I say that, like whenever I talk about my past career as a teacher, I, I still advocate for ECE like wholeheartedly. Um, you know, it's, it has absolutely nothing to do with me, you know, kind of running afoul of the, the profession, the craft, the, uh, the, the whole world of, of ECE and education in general, absolutely nothing to do with that. Um, so I just, uh, I just feel like that's worth mentioning. Um, and yeah. So hopefully I answered your question somewhere in there, maybe a little bit, maybe too much. I don't know. <laughs> I think that's the joys of, uh, being an educator, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True, true story. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Joy, that that's where I want to take this kind of next line of questioning. Mm -hmm. um, I'm always trying to to recapture Joy. We just did a napcast with with the mayor around 
around the insurrection and then before that around um, anti-blackness and then we talked a lot. Listen about, to that one, yeah. We talked a lot about just reclaiming joy and how resistance is, is a form of joy for black boys. So Excellent. Um, what, what are some of the moments that you can think of that were joyful for you in childcare? Or just what were your some of your fondest memories of being a child? Man, there are so many to uh, to draw from. This is one that, like, even thinking ahead, I was trying to narrow down, and still, it's it's hard to narrow down after eleven years total in childcare. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that joy is a key component in all the stories that I have. Like, I, the, the ones that are coming to mind right now are one of, like, being in the rainbow room with the rainbow children on a day when there was, like, I think we had, like, a power outage, and there was, like, a severe storm warning, and I, I was bicycle commuting at the time, so I was... I was a seven to three teacher. My shift was over. I was gearing up, like putting out on my bicycle clothes and the kids were asking me, you know, checking on me, are you going to be safe out there in the, in the wind and the rain? And it's so crazy. Look out the window. And I ended up staying for half an hour longer because we just ended up at this window in the rainbow room, uh, which is like this rectangular window that faces out onto kind of a, a little gardeny landscape area outside the school. And they were just, free associating, really enjoying what the wind was doing with the plants. Um, and it was fully spontaneous, you know, it was not orchestrated and, um, that it was just, yeah, I couldn't leave. I was like, all right, I'm clocked out, but I'm, I'll, I'll stick around for another half hour. This is, yeah, this, this, this is worth it. And, um, uh, so that's a specific instance. I mean, I would say, you know, generally speaking, a lot of my, a lot of, my fond memories, you know, really have to do um, with kind of collective learning experiences, something that I think Nick and I have, have talked about a bit, you know, where all we're in, you know, uh, where, you know, it, it involves a collective learning experience for teachers and children in the moment, kind of an aha moment, you know, um, there was another, another one that, that really was impactful for me, which was taking kids down to the canal and one child found a dead worm and was just like, had this full on like existential, like, I'm not going to say crisis. It was like epiphany. It was just this like worlds unlocking in her mind, like, you know, just fully, you know, unpacking. What is it, you know, what, what does it mean for, gosh, I can't remember how she said it, but like basically what, what happens to worms when they die moving on into it's not important what happens to the worm when it dies. It's important how we remember the worm, what we do for it. And just like, you know, and I'm just like, you know, trying to like pull the thread a little bit to keep this conversation going, but not be too, uh, you know, coercive in any way. And um, yeah, that challenge uh, to kind of participate in the, in the wonder and the, the exploration without, well, you know, challenging myself to not, put words into the child's mouth or, or lay down meaning on top of their meaning, um, you know, of my own, my own projection. Um, and yeah, the joy that comes out of that, you know, for, for child and teacher, you know? Um, yeah. I, I really think that, uh, that, that discovery is, is another key word in, in my, um, kind of fondest memories of, of being a early childhood educator as well. Yeah. Yeah. Wor worms do a lot, you know, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. they, uh, I, that's the one thing that I, I definitely feel, um, I mean, there's just so many stories that like have been central around worms and, yeah. you know, and I just, I, I remember writing like a learning story or a piece of documentation, uh, for children. And it was like, it was entitled worms do a lot. Not only do they like nourish the, the earth and bring, you know, essentially help our food grow, but they also bring up these really nuanced conversations about, about life and the human yeah. experience. Yeah. And, it, and children are so privy to that, mm -hmm. you know, and if we allow ourselves to be open and joyous in that moment, then we can like, 
then I think that's where that, uh, that, that reciprocal learning that you kind of touched on really happens. Yeah. And what I, and what I love most about working with children, especially toddlers, like the age group we worked with is their sense of wonder and awe that you were talking about. And I've also learned that they remind me of what's truly important in life, you know, to be in relationship with one another and to wonder together. Absolutely. At least that's, that's my perception of uh, the importance of life. And, <laughs> and that's something I want to take to my work each day now that I've moved on to being a director of a program and work with uh, adults primarily. So now it's like translating that perspective with children, but more, more so and intentfully with, with adults. Um, so in what ways, Hisham, are you still childlike in your work and life now that you're in, you know, brewing beer or in the brewing business? Um, yeah, I, I would definitely say that that sense of curiosity, um, and wonder is, is still there with me. Um, and I, and I would say like humor and humility, you know, um, not, you know, not to say that inherently children are necessarily known for being incredibly humble, but, um, but, but more so in, in the sense of not, um, I guess having a full set of preconceived notions to pull from trying to, trying to, to break that up when that comes up for me. So yeah, I would say, um, I am childlike in the sense of keeping myself open, curious, and, um, and, you know, having a sense of humor about myself, about situations which already have a sense of humor to them or situations that are really difficult and, uh, needing, you know, need, needing a little fortitude to get through. Like if something goes wrong and I'm like, well, I'm going to be here for 12 hours because the process needs to get done before I leave. Okay. You know, I can't just bang my head against the wall. Like, um, so yeah. And I mean, brewing uh, is a science and an art and a lot of other things. And it has a lot of knowns. Um, and that said, it also, you know, has a lot of unknowns. There's a lot to be discovered on those knowns, uh, you know, sometimes point to more questions, more possibilities, more potential. Um, you know, there are a lot of unknowns and maybes as well. So like really trying to stay cognizant and mindful of that and not taking myself too seriously in the process really uh, keeps that sense of wonder alive for me. It also really comes into play, like to wit with what you're saying, Nick, uh, with coworkers and other brewers in the industry being curious and inviting about, um, you know, what, what they've got going on, why they are doing what they're doing, what, what the thinking is, what the goal is, what, you know, sort of what, what the, you know, the science part is or what the dream part is, um, you know, without like getting into, you know, being judgmental and competitive, um, which is definitely there, there, there are those threads that run through the in industry, the brewing industry. So, um, yeah, sense of playfulness and humor is especially important for me here. Yeah. And, you know, and it makes me wonder if like, you know, maybe all people should spend a little time in ECE because of the mm -hmm. joy it could bring out and, and sort of reminding yeah. us that we have a really deep capacity to be joyous in our work. Right. Oh yeah. And to find our joys. Do you and find, I like, well, sorry, I was going to say, do you find yourself, um, having or struggling or having to be super intentional in reminding yourself to, to find that joy? Uh, yes, yes, I do. Not all the time, but when it's needed, it's really needed. You know, um, I need to, you know, reset, reset, whether that be through, you know, I've, I found that I'm a pretty big physical processor. So going for runs has been pretty big for me. So sometimes I'll like sit out for like a five mile run with just like the intention that while I'm out, you know, I'm going to allow myself space to do just that, you know, um, sometimes it, it feels, you know, it's, yeah, I think we all know how it is. You have those times where, you know, you're kind of, you're, you're on one, like for like a month, you're just like, everything feels supernatural, everything flows. And then you like, then you hit a slump or you, you know, have a period where you sort of hang back and question yourself a little more, uh, uh, completely than than you have and you know those are potent valuable times to to draw from too but i would say that yeah yeah um it's uh definitely something that i do 
um, need to, that I do work on staying mindful, mindful of for sure. Sometimes more than others. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So as someone on the outside, uh, looking in now, what do you think, what comes to mind of what you think, uh, the child, what the child sector needs child care sector? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, the same things hold true, like funding and recognition <laughs> are pretty huge. Um, I don't say that to be, you know, flip, it's, it's just for real, you know? Um, and I think, I, I mean, really, like, I don't want this to sound harsh, but better marketing, you know? I mean, I think that ECE could really tell its story to the greater public with more clarity than it does now. Um, you know, and that's, and again, that's not a diss. That's, that's really something that I hadn't even thought of until I stepped away. You know, a lot of the language that we use in communicating our work is very heavy on in-house lingo, you know, um, like even the word pedagogical, if I say that to, <laughs> you know, probably one in three of my coworkers, and this is not a diss on their intelligent either, because they're all in very intelligent people, be like pedagogical, what's that? You know, like, is that a fungi or yeah. what, you know, like, so, you know, and, and, and I, and I'm certainly not saying, you know, sort of insult anybody's intelligence in, in the communication of the work, but I think, um, yeah, to kind of break up that unintentionally kind of insular quality that can grow in the industry around how we communicate the work that we do, um, in the, in ECE in in the work that gets done in ECE and, uh, yeah. Yeah, like kind of meet folks halfway without insulting their intelligence and keep it simple, speak to the heart of the work. And I think that there's an equity piece at play there too. Um, you know, I I remember being a super low income earning single parent when I was looking around to get my son into a preschool and I was, you know, cruising through websites and be like, you know, like if the language was very sort of kind of higher level, like 301, you know, like education centered, I'd be like, nope, next, that's going to be too expensive. Nope, oh. next, that's oh. going to be, you know, that's going to be all just like, you know. It kind of gave uh, you a yeah. glimmer of their, of, yeah. of where their, their sort of perception or, or where they're coming from and all yeah. good, for all good intense purposes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, like throughout this time, you know, with the social and political unrest and, and just COVID times, one of the silver, you know, I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of small silver linings in yeah. this tumultuous time. And one of those is, uh, and that you're touching on it is the importance of early childhood education. Right. And I think yes. there's, uh, a lot more people are like, oh, geez, like th- we need to invest better into these um, social right. services, and yeah. you know that it's uh, that that so it's kind of that recognition and that sort of better marketing. I feel like are kind of on its trajectory, yeah. but as with a lot of things that has happened over the course in our country, you know, like things start off really strong and then they sort of plateau and then they just yeah. fade out. Yeah. So you know, I'm really. I'm going to be hopeful and just, you know, yeah. pray that like the trajectory just keeps going and that yeah. those, uh, the funding recognition and better marketing are there. Yeah. Yeah. Cause then, you know, I mean the, the, I think that storytelling is so huge in that. <clears throat> and I think, you know, um, yeah, that, that could potentially further sort of keep that trajectory, you know, like it may plateau here and there, but, but yeah. but on a climb, like if more people can become more aware of why the work is important, um, you know, even if it's not people with children, even if it's like my, my wife works for a nonprofit organization and they get people who send them money, not because they even live in Bellingham or Whatcom County where her organization does most of their work. She, you know, like there are people in the East Coast who are retired, are thankfully, you know, in sort of that realm of people who are potentially later in life, have a bit of money and want to do some good with that money. So they're cruising around just like, what's an organization that resonates with me that I could help support. And um, so I think, I think there's, there's that piece to the marketing sector too, not just connecting 
not only connecting with families who will be then attending the school, but potentially the broader community and kind of whole, you know, like, like Venn diagramming it all the way out, you know, like, like, um, not to get too, too big and broad or too expansive here, but that's, yeah. Yeah. To, to add to, to add to what you said. Yes. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back. Hilltop Children's Center is a high-quality preschool, after-school program, and professional development institute of early learning and inquiry, serving the Seattle community since 1971. Together, we are working with the next generation of inventors, leaders, thinkers, artists, and social activists. For more information on our professional development and community outreach, including workshops, presentations, blogs, coaching and consulting, and of course, this NAPCAST, please visit www.hilltopcc.org. And I have two questions here. Yeah. And, you know, and I was, I always think about this moment in the early morning. I don't know if you remember it, but it was like really early in the morning. We were opening up Hilltop. And we yeah. Were chatting about something. And I think it was when you were thinking about making the transition into uh, leaving early <clears throat> ECE and going into brewing. And you had brought up that you were going to be going to school, like you mentioned, to study brewing and education. Yeah. And again, this was early in the morning, so I didn't have my wherewithal of how yeah. I did the question. But I said something like, you know, I didn't know they have degrees for brewing beer. And I should know better because I went to Wazoo. But and they so but they yeah. had wide, wide eyes, you know, you you're like, yeah, man. Like and then I was like, oh, I didn't mean to like ruffle your feathers. But, you know, that those wide eyes conveyed a passion, right? A similar passion that I have for for ECE. And, totally. And and you as well. And do you, you know, do you think do you think in the past or even now or recent past that there's a stigma that doesn't take brewing seriously? Or do you think that it has something like that? Like early childhood might? Yeah, that is man, that is a great connection to draw. Um yes. I I absolutely do. Um like the science of it gets undercut, maybe? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's more like, as with kind of the rising tide in ECE, there's more awareness, um, you know, of, of kind of the intricacies and, and everything that goes into brewing beer. Um, you know, it's, it's sort of, you know, it is, it is alcohol production. So it's always going to be stigmatized to, to some degree or another. Um, but yeah. I, I can totally see that correlation for sure. And I, I would say, um, yeah, I've totally had remarks from people, like even people that I met in Bellingham when I was going to school and like when I was working on my resume for, for Colshan, I remember being at a, uh, like a Bellingham homebrewers guild event and saying that I turned in my resume and this guy just like cracking up and he was being like, he was like, you need resumes for a job in a brewery. And I just like, didn't know what to say. You know, right. it's like, you need resume, a resume to work at Taco Bell. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, and, yeah like it's, it, and, and, you know, you need, yeah, it's, uh, it is sort of, um, there, there is a stigmatization that I, I think is, again, thankfully changing, um, as time goes on. Um, and I haven't really felt I haven't really felt the weight of it as much as I did when I was in ECE, you know, like when yeah. people, when I would say I was a classroom teacher and people would say things, you know, and, and this is all again, like no judgment. This is just people's frame of reference that they're working right. with at the time, you know, or, or they're, you know, kind of bandwidth consciously where, you know, people would say things like, Oh, you get to play with kids all day. That sounds like yeah. fun, you know? And what do you teach them? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. What is that really teaching, you know, and, and, you know, I would definitely scan like, okay, is this going to be a conversation of diminishing returns? Or are we really going to go somewhere with this before yeah. I like center myself and, you know, <laughs> go down the rabbit hole with this person, you know, um, and, and really, you know, bring my teacherly self into that moment. Um, yeah. So I've, I've definitely seen it. I've definitely felt it, but I, I would not say it's as pervasive as it is in ECE. Mm-hmm. And I think that now that we're talking about it, I think part of that is in brewing you, you, 
we're working with living organisms and and a, and a product that is alive for quite a long period of time, essentially, but it has a tangible end and a tangible product, you know, whereas an ECE, it's like, blow the doors wide open, you know, this is like, whole life, lifespan learning, you know, that that's being staged and scaffolded here. And, um, and I think that there's something that could be a little, I'm not going to say easier, but more immediately recognized in something with like a finished end product, like here's your beer, you know, um, then, uh, yeah, just that sort of like amorphous, you know, less tangible idea that like, oh, the work that I do with two-year-olds could shape who they are until they're 89, you know, right. um, you know, and have some fundamental shaping piece in that. Yeah. And I, and I think to a degree that I think there's some folks out there that are expecting educators who have a social justice lens, anti-bias, anti-racist lens. Yes. For us to then hand over their child to be like, here's your anti-racist child. They're right. right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Here's your, here's your little yeah. social justice warrior. They're good to go. Absolutely. Uh, but, but you know, the, the, the truth of the reality is, is us early childhood educators are most likely not going to know these people you know, yeah. by the time they're our age and their thirties and, and whatnot. And so it's like, right. you know, we can only hope that we've instilled a good foundation for them to build off of and that other, other people in their life will continue positively building on that. Um, for sure. And my second sort of question is, you know, transitioning out of childcare into a whole new se sector seems a little daunting and I definitely had moments where I questioned my motivation for sticking around in, in the classroom. <clears throat> and when I was first thinking about transitioning into my director role that I'm in now, you know, I, I definitely felt really intimidating to leave the comfort zone. Um, so how was your transition out and, and what advice would you give to someone looking to transition to a field that may not be EC related, like something way different, like mechanical engineering or, yeah or something yeah yeah that is that is an excellent question and that is man that is a question that yeah i i have asked myself before i left and uh you know yeah i my my transition uh again was at first really challenging um you know now i'm pretty well settled in i'd say um you know like teaching the brewing industry is definitely filled with big-hearted generous people who have a common goal and a common passion. Um, you know, there is a growing, finally, there is a growing social justice thread in, uh, in thread with a D in, uh, in the brewing industry. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely that similarity. Um, and at the same time, it is a very different culture, um, and the same, I think would be true of like mechanical engineering or botany, something yeah. in that, in that realm. Um, you know, and I, and I mean this in the best way and in ECE, you know, the, the emotional intelligence of our communication is pretty front loaded. You know, we talk to each other about what we're going to talk about before we talk about it. If that, <laughs> if that makes sense, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like, and that's, that's not there really in the brewing industry, um, that I've experienced. Like I mean, it, it, it can be. Like it's, uh, you know, it's I, in the, in, in the brewing industry, like, I, I think that like sort of emotional intelligence and sort of more of a, a broad spectrum of communication skills are what I've brought from teaching and superpowers into the brewing industry. Cause, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I love that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's, I mean, really it's it, again, you know, I'm, the, the, the people I work with are also emotionally intelligent and eloquent. Um, but we, you know, are kind of, I mean, gosh, teaching is in the moment too, but there is like a sort of more finite in the momentness in the brewing industry of like, if this process doesn't get completed correctly within the next 45 minutes, this other piece of the process is at jeopardy. So you've kind of got to be like pretty fleet footed and mm. communicate, you know, what you're thinking, what you're needing, thinking ahead, multitasking and doing it pretty directly and pretty clearly in the moment. Um, and then as the receiving end of that, you yeah. got to understand that yeah. this is a personal attack. This is exactly. because a yeah. whole 
yeah. vat of brew yeah. is going to go to waste. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think, where the emotional intelligence comes in, you know, for sure, and sort of remembering... Um, and the communication skills of, of like reading other people like, oh, they're in a hurry right now. Like they're stressed about this. You know, I'm kind of jumping in to help them from this other process where I haven't been stressed. I've just been kind of going about my merry way um, today. But yeah, no, I feel where they're coming from. And I got to kind of like, you know, get into that zone. And this is, you know, they might be stomping around or, or moving really quickly and not necessarily talking right now. But that's not personal. They're they are, you know, they're they're in in the reeds right now. You know, mm -hmm. and I've, I've been there too, you know, I was there earlier this week and, um, and I, and I think, um, that is no less, you know, it, no less emotionally intelligent than how we communicate as teachers, but it shows up way differently, mm -hmm. um, in, in that context. And I would say kind of get ready for a culture shock, you know, um, and again, uh, there is, you know, as, as an organization, Coulson has committed to, uh, to supporting movements for black lives, um, trans lives, queer lives. Um, and, you know, that's not that kind of um, dedication or, or that commitment is not everywhere in the mm -hmm. industry. and. Um, and that is uh, just something to be aware of. You know, I haven't run into any brewers or any other people in the industry who, you know, sort of grind up against those values. But through the uh, magic slash curse of social media, I like I've been pretty privy to some pretty, you know, some, some things on the on, on the other side of my sort of well-worn beliefs um in the brewing industry and it's hard to see you know so kind of get ready for that you know and and i i would I, I would imagine that you know there's there's a lot of industries that have have that type of um have that type of dichotomy at times um so that's that was you know i i would say that's that's a tough one because I, I felt like you know, when, when I taught, when we would talk about anti-bias or anti-racist education with other teachers, like other teachers, even if they were kind of like, whatever, wherever they were at on that spectrum of awareness around that type of education and, and want to incorporate it, there was like a common language at least, you know? And so, um, yeah, anyway, I'm going pretty broad here, but that's, I, yeah, I, in short, uh, uh, culture, it's going to be a much different culture. And, um, yeah. And it's, it's hard, just like, frankly, practically, it's hard kind of starting over, like going from something you've done for a really long time to something you haven't done before. And all of a sudden you're the, you know, the new kid, the new kid in the class who has a billion questions and you feel like you don't know what you're doing, but you'll get there, you know? Um, so definitely, you know, that's, that's going to happen. I think those feelings of like, oh my gosh, I am, I am way out of my league, but words of uh, inspiration and advice is you will, you will be in your league. It's, it's, you, you are, you're probably already in or beyond your league. It just, it's just going to take time. Yeah. And to time, settle is in. The, time is the wisest counselor. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I would have totally beat you up if you were that kid asking all those questions in class. <laughs> 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 back to school, don't worry. I'm not going, I'm not setting foot in another classroom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So I can't imagine doing a napcast without trying to fit in a story or two or, or without at least mentioning a million times out. Our people are natural born storytellers. So can you tell us a, a favorite moment or a story from your time working with, with the toddlers? What did you learn? Um, man, I think, uh, yeah, like the, uh, I'd, I'd say like the joy and the wonder, I think were like things that were there for me before I worked with toddlers, then kind of were like brought out by that work or sort of I reconnected with through that work. I think a big thing that I learned working with toddlers, like 
would be, man, really like, don't panic. It's going to be fine. Uh, that is, that, that's, that has definitely been a big takeaway. I know it doesn't sound incredibly deep, but it's totally, yeah, a, a huge takeaway that I'm thinking of in this moment. Like I'm thinking of kids who are like, you know, needing to throw up and needing help getting, you know, getting to a bathroom and being taken care of when they were ill and it feeling so chaotic and having the rest of the classroom to manage and like trying to coordinate with co-teachers and um, yeah, yeah. Some, some sort of like resilience, I think within, uh, within myself on that, on that topic. Um, do you have, and do you have, yeah. Do you have any particular memories Oh man. I, yeah. For some reason I feel like there's a Cormac story in there. Remember Cormac? Oh yeah. Oh, I remember Cormac. Yeah. 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 Now there's a, uh, like, like to that wit, there is actually one with a child who's, gosh, I, Lily, a girl named Lily, who was like one of the first kids uh, that I taught at Hilltop. Um, and we're all sitting around the lunch table and she was just like powering down a sandwich and she started choking. And like everybody like froze, like, and she wasn't even too sure what was going on for her. And she was like looking back and forth, like between all the kids and the other two teachers. And everybody was like in that moment of shock. And I was right next to her. And it was like one of those moments where I'm like, yes, first aid training does work. Like it just kicked in. Like I made the finger hook, like pulled her mouth open a little bit, just reached in there, um, like pulled out the chunk of sandwich and she threw up all over my arm. And, uh, <laughs> And just like, just rolling with it. Like, okay, this is happening right now. You know, yeah. like I can be, uh, you know, I, I definitely like had the shakes after that. You know, I had to like step out of the classroom, like, oh my God, that was intense. That was scary, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, that's, that, that is one of those, like, I feel like we focused a lot on like stories of wonder and, and, and that is, and, and discovery and exploration, which is fantastic, of course, but that's one of those stories of like, man, it really feels like, um, you know, we're a family right now. Like we're, <laughs> yeah. we are really, you know, we are really going through, uh, through the wonder and the grandeur and the expansiveness of, of ECE and the, and, and grinding through the, the grimier parts of it too, you know, of, of really being together with each other, you know, yeah, that we might, yeah. that we might be put into a semi life and death situation together. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> As a family might. Yeah. 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 The other day, one of the kids decided, we, we asked her maybe about 17 times, do you want to go to the bathroom? Do you want to go to the bathroom? We get outside, she goes down the slide and all you saw was this shriek. <laughs> <laughs> The poop and, uh, oh man poop, poop. well <laughs> wow that's not what i was expecting oh, yeah. yeah yeah that's was, a new one yeah <laughs> i think in that moment i was like we don't get paid nearly enough <laughs> yeah oh man yeah we'll be right back hey it's mike you know the guy you spent a good 20 minutes just listening to Nick and I love doing these, but do you know what's more fun? Doing these in person. And that's exactly what we've started to do. We've hit the road. Well, kind of, sort of, because, you know, <laughs> COVID's still a thing. But we are now doing these workshops with organizations, being featured at conferences, and having these conversations with college students, high schoolers, and middle schoolers. And we'd love to come hang out with you next. If you want to bring us, you already know what to do. And that's drop us an email at institute at hilltopcc.org. So, so you're in the brewery and you're in the distilling business. What can your former industry learn from your new industry? So in other words, mm. what can we as ECE and as, as the childcare field learn from the brewing business um boy that is yeah that is that is such a that's a great and a really tough question um yeah because as we've kind of unpacked a little bit earlier there you know there there's not a there are things that are different but there's not a dis disconnect there 
Um, I really think, um, you know, not to be too kind of boring and single-minded about it, but it, it does kind of come back. I, the first things that are coming to me are like marketing and, and how, how we sort of present ourselves, especially now with there being so many breweries everywhere and with what I spoke about earlier, some of those breweries perhaps not speaking to the personal values of the person who could potentially be interested in buying their beer. Um, there you've, we've, I, I think in the brewing industry, it be, you don't have to, but it really behooves breweries to be pretty hard on the sleeve about who the company is and, um, and, and make that pretty communicable in, in a, in an accessible way. Um, so that, that's the first thing that really comes to mind. Um, and, um, I, this, there, there, this is what I'm about to say is not work that I do, uh, but it's work that, um, like some folks in admin do and, uh, the Colshin CEO, um, David Vitt does, which is a lot of like advocating in Olympia, you know, like he's a, uh, we, we are a member of the, uh, Washington state brewers guild and, um, yeah, when there are bills that are that are kind of hanging in the balance that affect um, breweries and tap rooms, uh, he stays abreast of that, and he'll you know um, just kind of stay on the grind to advocate and um, really kind of takes, as far as I'm aware, at least on the admin level, kind of takes up the mantle for that. You know, so kind of a dedicated, I think maybe a dedicated role of you know someone who is um like keeping tabs on all that um you know what bills are kind of are, are perhaps on the block um uh the, yeah and this is just free associate for free association top of mind but the those are the two things and i know that in in ece and the, you know there are educators who are who are hardcore on top of all that so i'm not saying that there aren't but um you know i think that maybe dedicating the role um, because teachers wear so many hats um, and don't get paid enough to have such a, such a hat collection. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I think dedicating a role to that kind of, you know, whatever the name of that would be, would be, would be valuable. I hear you. I hear you talking about also the, the value and being your authentic self right that that wearing your heart on your sleeve and and as an organization being very upfront and clear about what your values are what's going to be going down in the classrooms because of the um the values and pedagogy that you want to uphold um and it kind of reminds me mike of our of episode two of death metal and toddlers of bringing your whole self right um so that's kind of like yeah i mean i guess if i draw a connection between brewery and uh and ECE, that would be that would be it, or yeah. what you're saying. Um, yeah, yeah. We kicked off the Snapcast asking you about, you know, when did you realize it was time to leave? But what would have made you stay? Ooh, you know, that's that's such a hard question because yeah. what happened for me was, you know, it was essentially like the end of a long-term romantic relationship in a lot of ways. It's like it wasn't like you know. Now I hate you and I'm done with you and I want you out of my life. It was, you know, that, that doesn't happen, but it was like, uh, uh, more, yeah, just grown apart. You know, I, I really started off down a separate path. So it's, it's very hard for me to imagine or visualize what would have helped me stay. Um, because it was such a personal sort of reckoning. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, but, but, um, Yeah, I that that is a tough one for that reason. But I think, um, you know, I mean, just on the practical level, I think it like thinking back, it would have been nice to you know be at a party and have somebody say, "What do you do?" And me being like, "I'm a preschool teacher," and then you know being like, "Okay, cool," you know, as opposed to you know, like what does that even mean? What do you even do? You know, which are fine questions, of course, but I think it kind of spirals back out to that recognition, you know, if, if yeah. the industry, if the industry had, um, 
you know, that, that kind of recognition. I don't know. That might've changed things for me. I, again, I don't think so because it was such a personal decision, but that, mm-hmm. that is something that I, I know I would have liked as, as a teacher. Um, Do you, you think know. there's potential for ECE and brewing uh-huh. to come together and have, like I'm just imagining three to five year olds, you know, with little aprons and gloves on, helping pour hops and like <laughs> stir stirring some yeast or something. Is there is there a possibility for children to be involved in brewing process? And what would that look like? Um, in your professional opinion, in my professional opinion, no. <laughs> if you're if you're brewing beer at home, if you're a home brewer, and you want to get your family involved. That is absolutely at your discretion, and I would caution a lot of safety and uh, and and uh, you know supervision. Um, you know, it's uh, it's it's hot stuff. It's there's you know chemicals at play, hot heavy stuff and chemicals, and in the production brewery, uh, this is a yeah. STEM opportunity. Uh, yeah, I know it's hard because, well, you know what? No, I, I got to take it back. I, I think that not on the like producing, like, so wort is the name for unfermented beer. So not in the producing wort side, but on the fermentation side, there would be space for children to get involved. Because um, once the wort is all cooled down, all the like hot, heavy chemical stuff is pretty much over with. And uh, that's when yeast is being added into the beer in a, in a production brewery. All that stuff needs to happen in as sanitary and possibly like aseptic a manner as possible. So you don't actually see the yeast going in at all. It all, it all happens through like kind of airtight transfer. But um, at, in home brewing, it's a different matter. You could, you know, kids could pour the yeast in there and, you know, talk about, what it's doing, you know, they're, they're, it's pretty fascinating, you know, again, like tying back to what I said earlier, there's a sense of wonderment that I have around fermentation and, mm-hmm. and it's hard because there's not like an observable object. It's not like you put it in there and then you see each yeast cell like bloom into like huge shape, but um, I don't know, you know, just, just something to kind of kick off that idea that like, Hey, what we just put in there is alive and, and we've put it in an environment where it has a lot of food to consume and it's doing what we do. It's waking up, noticing what's around it, eating, pooping, sleeping, waking back up, eating, pooping, (laughs) sleeping, you know, like, like, yeah. So I, I I could see it. I could see it in a, in a, yeah. In, in that kind of context. Well, thanks for indulging me. Oh, totally. Yeah. No, I'll always indulge you, Nick. It's fun. (laughs) Not pooping on a slide. Um, Yeah. (laughs) You know, I, I can imagine someone's listening to that and then to what you just said and yelling down, honey, see, this is why we keep doing this. <laughs> it's STEM. It's not because I like alcohol. <laughs> STEM. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's microbiology. So, yeah, yeah. All right, I only got one last question for you. And, um, you know, so Nick is just coming off of writing this beautiful book uh, called A Can of Worms that I mentioned earlier, and then we had a little conversation around worms. And that forward was written by Ian Palo and Margie Carter. And it had this in it that I want to use now as a question for you. And it goes, uh, and I quote, can we open ourselves to the unknown? Can we sit in uncertainty? Can we become more courageous in our actions? These are the questions of our times. They are the questions that spill out when we open a can of worms. End quote. So 2021, 2020, <laughs> 1999, right? We can go all the way back. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's been... Uh, uh, a year of a lot of change, <clears throat> a lot of change, personally, socially, politically, etc. And we know that social justice just doesn't happen in the classroom. So how are you embracing these concepts and working to 
to really live out these values in your everyday life, in your community. And of course, bonus points if you can always connect it back to uh, <laughs> toddlers and preschoolers on a developmental, uh, developmentally appropriate age. Yeah, man, I, I, I love that. I, I mean, I would, I would say for me, it's, um, a process of continuing self-education, continuing learning, being open to, you know, how, how I've grown, what I can offer, but also being open to the inherent biases that I still have and, and what is needed for me personally, authentically as my authentic self to shake those up and, um, and then ways in which I authentically can offer any of that back to the community. Um, I mean, the, the way that, that that takes shape right now, I would say, um, is, is through, through my work. Um, I'm part of a, a committee, uh, that Coulson formed, um, this past summer realizing, you know, we, we had, uh, diversity and respect as our, as part of our, um, our values. And we were like, okay, those are part of our values, but how do we step it up? How do we address the fact that, um, um, you know, the BIPOC community and women and queer folks are underrepresented in the brewing industry. Um, you know, how, how, how do we do that? We don't have an answer. We're asking, how do we do that? And, uh, being, being a part of a committee that has been formed as of May, June of 2020 to, uh, to figure out how we do that as an organization and, um, how we, how we create a space that is welcoming and, um, and, uh, communicates what we talked about earlier, like, you know, the, those, those core values and challenging ourselves. How are we currently living them? How could we do a whole hell of a lot better? Um, so that's the tangible way that I feel like I'm bringing it to the community right now. Side note, that is another challenge with, uh, with being an in an industry like, you know, the brewing industry being in kind of a production industry, um, bringing that kind of work to, uh, the community is, is a little more challenging, I would say, than it is in ECE. You know, you're kind of doing it every day in the classroom. And then this, it focuses around, you know, um, the, uh, what we're, what we're making, you know, the, the product. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think, I think tying it back into, to lifelong learning and, um, yeah, uh, finding, finding a way, finding different ways to, uh, work with, you know, work, work with, uh, bias, be that, you know, the, the societal ones that we're pushing back against to, how do I, unfortunately, perhaps, you know, embody some of those biases and how can I, how can I grow? How can I learn? Um, sorry, this is a super long-winded answer, but, um, and, and I'm probably repeating myself because I'm trying to bring it back around, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hopefully that was helpful for, for you guys. Yeah, for sure. It was. Well, I appreciate Anytime I get the chance to talk to you and, and dig in and really get to learn and listen um, and, and center your voice and all the wisdom that you are bringing to to this world, I, I feel so blessed and honored um, and fortunate to be in a position to do that. So I appreciate both of you. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, I I am so grateful and so humbled to uh, to be here with the two of you and, uh, to have your, have your, you know, your voices being centered in the world via the Napcast is exciting for me. Like you're, you're two fully authentic individuals with, with a lot to bring a lot of, a lot of wisdom and a lot of curiosity and, and just a lot of good stuff. 
and I'm, I'm glad that, uh, that you are, you're bringing that to the world. Thanks. You know, um, I, I've been reflecting about, you know, when, because I think there's a lot of these six, I, I guess, uh, this positive trajectory that Napcast is bringing and, you know, it's really, and maybe I feel safe speaking for both of us, Mike, but I think the compliments we receive, it's really a reciprocal process because we can't do what we do without the relationships we make, Yeah, we, you know, and, and I think if there, there's something to it that like, you know, we're just throwing the ball out there and when people reciprocate back, then we all become better for it. Right. And we all, mm-hmm. and I think are sort of serving as a model of like how, how discourse can happen about some, um, about things that may feel a little uncomfortable. Um, but you know, I, so I appreciate you and your time. Hisham. It was really good to see your face and hear your voice. Um, you know, and I can't wait for things to lift so I can, I want to come up there and visit you guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to, yeah, I want to come down there and see, see you guys face to face as well. Yeah. And, and for real life. Yeah. Yeah. IRL as the kids say. IRL. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much to both of you for, for sharing your time with me and for, yeah, for, for bringing me on. It's again, it's an honor. All right. So that's all we got y'all. Thank you for listening to another Napcast. Feel free to follow us or, you know, anyone who identifies as a voice of color or male identifying, then definitely shoot us an email. Like Nick just said, everything that we do is relationship based. Mm-hmm. So we want to be able to, to center and uplift everyone's voices. And you can email us at institute at hilltopcc.org. Much love, y'all. Take care, everyone. Mm-hmm.